Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you had a lovely week. And if you're joining for the first time, welcome. Thank you for choosing to spend your valuable time with me. Um, we've got a great episode lined up, but first, I suppose we better reflect on the last week. That is, I suppose, the theme really of the podcast. Um, I had a good one. I went to see Dua Lipa and Roisin Murphy, two stunners. Dua Lipa so profoundly hot like she is so hot and I've had so many conversations with people since I went to see her um about the fact that she has so many bangers like it you'd can't you might forget but the concert was just like all killer no filler and the staging was amazing her dancers were amazing it was just great very good time and then on Sunday I went to see Roisin Murphy who is obviously just an absolute queen and she's like like, look, no shade on Jua, but Roisin Murphy's stage presence is incredible. She's like a magnet. Like, you would watch her do literally anything. And the clothes, oh my gosh, she has the best sense of style. It was magical. The energy in the room, I have to do, uh, the energy in the room as well was just flawless. Everybody was so excited to be there. So much delight in being together, crammed into a sweaty Olympia theater. I Yeah excellent times all around. Um, I also this week got a message from someone in relation to my chat with Sophie White last week on the podcast. They basically were saying that they'd found it a bit hard to listen to us complaining about parenting um, because they were experiencing some fertility struggles, which I totally get. Um, like, I think it's really, really important that parents have the opportunity and the freedom to speak honestly about the reality of parenting. Like, I think that's absolutely vital. I think a lot of people suffer because of the lack of chat about that stuff. But I also am totally sensitive to the challenges that that can present to people who have a complex relationship with parenting or fertility. And I want everyone to feel safe listening to this podcast. So I want to say thank you to that person for sending me a message. And in future, if we're talking about parenting, I will give you a little heads up ahead of time. If it's not kind of obvious that it's going to happen, um, in case that's something that you don't feel like you'd like to listen to or that you'd be comfortable listening to. So, uh, to this week. Later on, you're going to hear me having a chat with uh, Jackie McNabb and Tatiana Pankiv, who are an Irish woman and a Ukrainian woman who have been thrown together, I think they would say by fate, um, but also by 
the invasion of Ukraine. Um, I met them earlier this week and was just so struck by their bond, which seems so deep. And I just really wanted you to hear about the project that they've started to raise money to support the people of Ukraine. So there's a little bit of chat with them later on. But first, let's catch up on the week's news. If you haven't been paying attention this week, do not worry. Eva Moore, political correspondent with the Irish Examiner, is here to catch you up. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. It is early. We are ready to <laughs> <So> talk <laughs> news. And we're going to start in Ukraine, as always. Yep, Putin is at it again. So Russia has now said it's going to shut off gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria, which are two EU countries. They said it's because the two countries wouldn't pay them in rubles. So the Russian state owns their gas supplier called Gazprom. And they wanted paid in rubles because the ruble has obviously gone down in value since the start of the invasion in Ukraine. They wouldn't do that. And they cut off gas supplies. Now, um, there was obviously moves to reduce the reliance of Russian gas and oil in those countries. So they are safe in the meantime because they had already put, you know, other litigation in so that they wouldn't have to. Um, be totally reliant on them but it is a form of blackmail that's what the EU are calling it mm. um, Ursula von der Leyen said you know that they wouldn't be the EU wouldn't be deterred she said that they had prepared for this scenario with a map out a coordinated EU response and that Europe would continue to stand behind Ukraine um, but it is another one of those things of that Putin does have a lot of leeway with stuff like this. He knows that like people are still EU countries are still buying gas and oil from him. So mm. even after the war in Ukraine, the ruble did then increase in value because a huge chunk of money was paid for gas and oil. NATO have made it clear that they're not going to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. However, that might need to change if it spills over the Ukrainian border. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if what you're trying to present prevent, excuse me, is it like a world war or a large scale? even larger scale kind of war, then it would, I mean, there has to be a line. And surely if m- multiple countries are involved, then yeah, you've exactly. got to draw that line. Um, let's talk about the what's going on here, because we talked last night about the issue with housing um, for Ukrainian people in Ireland and um, the, sh- the, the issues that were happening there that we basically just couldn't keep up with the pace with which Ukrainian refugees were arriving in the country. Mm-hmm. What's happening there this week? So the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, brought a plan to Cabinet uh, which was how we plan to house Ukrainian refugees. So this a lot of this is done on the hop and it's still unfolding. But the main points are that he plans to give local authorities, uh, local councils, more powers to seize properties that are derelict, mm-hmm. not in use. Um, modular, they're looking at modular housing. So you, know, you see that kind of like a type of pop-up type housing easily constructed but they can last around 50 60 years Mm. they're looking at state land you know big basically fields where they could put a lot of modular housing now it's part of the plan it's not the full plan because Mm. you know they'd rather something more long term we saw that places like baggett street hospital which has been lying dormant for i don't know how, how long will also be looked at for housing ukrainian refugees the plan for them, the housing they've been told will be needed for up to two to three years. The thing is, we just don't know how long the war mm. in Ukraine is going to go on and then how much 
is even left of neighborhoods and houses for people to go back to. Yeah, this is it. Like uh, our interview on the podcast today is uh, one of the the people who I speak to, which will be coming up a little bit later, um, is someone who has arrived in Ireland from Ukraine. And it was just so heartbreaking to talk to her because she is so desperate to go back. Mm -hmm. You know, like these people don't want to start a new life in Ireland. They're not economic migrants. Like they're people who have been forced out of their country who want to go home. Which is also putting a lot of pressure on the neighbouring countries around Ukraine, like Poland. Poland's taking millions of refugees because the thing is people don't want to go far from Ukraine because they want to go back to Ukraine. So it's putting a lot of pressure on the neighbouring countries because people think, well, this is going to be over soon and I want to go home. It's like I keep putting if it was us we, you would go to England yeah because it's the closest place and you want to go back yeah I know. and the most familiar exactly um, okay well obviously we'll t- continue to talk about Ukraine now let's go to France because they had an election this week and it was pretty pretty close <sighs> pretty scarily close. close yeah it was way too close um, Emmanuel Macron who was the French president is still the French president won the election which is unheard of in France. He's the first French prime minister or French president to be re-elected in around 20 years. Oh, really? French people are so fucko. <laughs> <laughs> they do not put up with anything. If you annoy them after four years, you're out. So he is the first to be, first sitting president to be re-elected in 20 years. He won 58 to 41 mm-hmm. to um, a woman called Marine Le Pen. She is the head of the National Rally, which used to be called the National Front. She changed the name in this effort to get away from what is very clearly a far-right party. And they deserve that label. It was started by her father, who has lost five presidential elections. Marine has lost three now. Mm. She basically tried to change the name of the party and soften her image. She started an Instagram video uh, account for her cats. She kind of... Not straight away, give very watery answers on things like, you know, Muslims and immigration and all this sort of stuff. But she very much as, do not be fooled, a far right figure. The thing that helped Marine Le Pen was that a person even more far right than her also ran in the election. He's like a shock jock type man. Um, I think he's quite big on French media. He is the most ridiculous human being on earth. And he was in, he was so far right, it made her look less so by comparison. So he kind of split the vote. Exactly. So right. it went to a runoff last week and Macron came out on top, but it was still way too close for comfort. Now, the other issue is that a lot of people were saying, I don't even like Macron, but I just can't vote for Marine Le Pen. But also there were people who hate Le- Macron so much, they were like, well, we'll just give her a go. Oh, kind of like a Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump mm-hmm. type yeah, thing. That's yeah, that's the way I could sort of describe it. Um, but she won more than 13 million votes. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. It's really, really worrying. Because we are really seeing the growth of that those kind of far-right politics across Europe, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And it's like now the polite face of the far-right. You know, mm-hmm. she's a woman, she's middle-aged, she has a couple of cats, uh, she changes the name of the party, but... This was founded as the National Front, a very anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant party, and that is still very much who they are. Yeah. Okay, well, at least she didn't win. I mean, uh, we take our positives from where we can. Um, Now, bit of controversy this week for Mm -hmm. the Happy Paris. Mm -hmm. I am going to just say at the outset... I didn't know really who these lads were. Really? Yeah, I love a very pleasant life on Instagram. I saw someone describe them. It was Michelle uh, on 
Instagram described them as Hummus Jedward, but she said it wasn't yes. her joke. It was actually someone else's joke. Hummus Jedward. Oh, but Hummus Jedward is very amusing. I am aware <laughs> that this maybe isn't their first controversy, but mm. um, I digress. Anyway, so the founders of the Happy Pair, who are a franchise that um, I would say... I don't know, produce healthy-ish foods. Yeah, it started with a cafe in Greystones. Mm -hmm. um, Lovely cafe and they're all about kind of whole foods and Mm -hmm. vegan lifestyle and stuff like that. I I have to say, I've met them and they're very nice, very nice lads. Okay, well, I haven't. So uh, (laughs) this week... (laughs) This week, they posted uh, a video on Instagram, which they stated that eating mushrooms reduces the risk of getting breast cancer. Um, The video said five things, you know, to reduce your risk. The other things were to eat soy products two to three times a day. Um, Can we just say from the outset, that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no surgeons, medical um, practitioners came from the outset and said eating a soy and plant-based diet will not reduce your risk of getting breast cancer. Um, Obviously, a healthy diet is um, advised well, it contributes to health generally, yeah. Yeah, but for only for around four in ten people who get cancer, yeah, you can link it back to a cause. So it's like smoking or drinking too much yeah. or whatever that is. Most there of the is time, no, it's totally random. There is no evidence <clears throat> that consuming one particular food is going to reduce your risk of breast cancer. It is incredibly dangerous to do that, um, to say those things when you don't know, when there's no medical basis. I feel like it goes without saying. Breast cancer is so prevalent now, it's it's my family, like my mom is at breast cancer. And also my concern would be people who have breast cancer at a very vulnerable time in their lives. They buy into this kind of nonsense yeah, and then all hell breaks loose and they could ultimately make themselves worse. But it also, like I saw this video when it was still live, I actually commented on it and said, guys, this is... It's not the one. I said this is at best misguided and at worst dangerous. And that's mm-hmm. the reality of it. Like I, I don't think that the happy pair guys are bad guys who are setting out with any kind of ill intent. I think their intention is good all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think it was extremely misguided. And to oversimplify something like cancer, which is so complex mm-hmm. down to, you know, diet is 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 madness but the thing is these guys are not the only guys who do that like there's oh, no. people all over the, the well, world there's a full wellness industry based on preying on people who are ill and telling them that they eat this or they eat that mm. and for and for a lot of time you know it's not doing anything i would just add that their apology they deleted the video and posted an apology their apology said we posted a video recently about breast cancer and a number of people got upset we just wanted to say that was never our intention and we're really sorry for upsetting anyone I'm sorry, that's not an apology. Not, no. Apology apologizing for people getting upset is like yeah. I'm sorry you feel, sorry that, you feel way. that way. Yeah. And I think what was what was really upsetting about the whole thing is that when you make a video like that, you are essentially placing blame at the feet of people who are experiencing breast cancer mm-hmm. or who have experienced breast cancer. And I didn't have breast cancer, but I did have cancer and I read enough of that shite mm-hmm. when I was sick. And and it was so infuriating when you, you know, when you've been told by your doctor from, in my case, my hematologist, this is a, a random genetic mutation. But, but, but if there are people going around believing that cancer can be prevented based on, you know, things like diet or whatever, mm-hmm. like then, you know, there is a question of blame that is put at the feet of people who experience cancer. It's absolute madness. And it's also a complete it completely buys under the toxicity that society puts around food. Exactly, exactly. And even aside from that, like, you know, we need to be considerate of the fact that people 
you know, I saw people commenting on that video who were like, I have breast cancer right now, and this does not make me feel better. And, you know, other people who had lost parents to breast mm-hmm. cancer, who had lost best friends, sisters, mm-hmm. like, you know, you just can't casually go around swinging this kind of misinformation without getting, you know, uh, some comeuppance. And I was really disappointed in the apology, really mm-hmm. disappointed, not even to acknowledge the genuine feeling that was there in the comment section on the original video, which was up for days, by the way, mm-hmm. Um so Not yeah, good. a really, a really poor show. And I guess my only hope would be that those guys take a long, hard look at themselves and really do some proper research. And I know another thing that they said was that, you know, they were referring in the original video, they were referring to a podcast episode they were doing with a, a doctor. Woman, a white woman's health, yeah. And like, yeah, of course you can find a doctor who will agree with you on, <laughs> on almost anything mm-hmm. because doctors are human beings yeah. and there's a spectrum there. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you could prevent breast cancer, which is so common, mm-hmm. via diet, mm-hmm. don't you think all we the doctors in the it? world would be screaming about it? Wouldn't, like, people like me who have to go for earlier breast checks because of my family, don't think I'd be horsing the mushrooms exactly. under me? Exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's just, yeah. Anyway, enough enough about that because we have to return to <laughs> the world's favourite clown shoe, Aoife. Oh, my God. <laughs> this man. Oh, uh, yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk bought the Haunted Bird app for $44 billion last week. Is it so, so last week we were talking about this and it was like, you know, the shareholders are protected and like he's not going to be able to take it. over. Mm-hmm. Well, that all yeah. went out the window. So Twitter's board were opposed to this. You know, we talked about the poison pill defense that they brought in so that they could stop him. However... Money talks. So Musk came along and said that he would put 21 billion of his own money in. You could solve world hunger in like 7 billion, but whatever. Um, Alongside, you know, debt funding from financial institutions, that sort of stuff. And he bought Twitter. He posted and said, free speech. Oh God, I'm afraid already. Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. And Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Elon Musk has talked for a long time about how he doesn't believe that there is enough free speech on Twitter. As a woman on Twitter, I can tell you there is enough free speech on Twitter. What is really concerning now is that even yesterday he posted a meme which basically led to a serious pylon of one of Twitter's executives. He posted a photo of her Mm. in which it said it was from a, I think, linked to a Joe Rogan podcast that she did where she was talking about content moderation he posted that photo of her. It insinuated this huge pylon. She's worried about her safety. And then another Twitter executive was saying, for the, comp- the company you have just bought, mm. you have now put one of the executives in danger. And this is very much what the concern is going to be going forward. Because people, I'm a journalist. I can believe completely in free speech and the power of the press and the power of social media and all that. But the people who shout the loudest about free speech are the people who say things like, I'm just asking questions, and they usually tend to be white, wealthy men. Mm. Well, on that note, (laughs) Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Irish Examiner. Thank you so much. Uh, We will talk to you again next week. Earlier this week, I met two brilliant women, Jackie McNabb and Tatiana Pankiv, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. And the reason I met them is that they are working on an incredible fundraising initiative for Ukraine. And like, I think, loads of people, I've been feeling 
heartbroken and completely powerless in terms of what's going on there. And, you know, obviously you can make a donation, but sometimes it feels good to physically do something. And if me going and having a photograph taken with them to try and raise some publicity helps, then I was only delighted to do it. Although, to be honest, I don't think they needed me at all. Um, But when I arrived and when I met them and I started talking to them, I immediately thought uh, more people need to hear their story. So I ran home. Well, I drove home, (laughs) got my podcast gear and went back and met them for a chat um, because their bond was just so striking and just the strength that Tatiana has, what she's been through um, and then also her passion for contributing to the you know, the good of her people and the people who are left in Ukraine um, was just so striking. So I really hope you enjoy this. It's Jackie McNabb and Tatiana Pankiv of So Now, um, two fantastic women brought together by something horrific, um, but making something really beautiful out of it. Jackie and Tatiana, it is so nice to be here with you. And it was so nice for me to meet you today and to learn about So Now, which is an amazing initiative, and um, which we'll talk about. But I suppose the first thing I want to get out of the way is how did you guys meet each other? Uh, it was present, maybe, uh, for, for God, because I came here uh, in, uh, into the island. I know nobody here. Mm. And uh, in airport, I met a Polish man who uh, who take me to her, his uh, town, Tulu, and then he met me. He introduced mm-hmm. you to Jackie. Yeah, yeah. And Jackie, how did how did that happen from your side? Um, I was I was uh, part of a a, a friends group. Um, Tullo Friends of Ukraine, we had been doing like so many other community groups were doing. We were accepting donations, mm. packing donations in the evenings after work and at the weekends um, and uh, getting them to the Polish border to help as many Ukrainians as we could. Mm. Um, this gentleman knew of my involvement in that, um, made a phone call to me, asked me, did I know were there homes available or how that was going to work? Mm. We had a, my, my mother-in-law had passed away um, just two years prior to that. And um, we had her home, which was only being used by family. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessary. So um, while he was asking me, could I find a solution? We offered the solution immediately. It, yeah. we, we, myself, my husband, my children, Gary and Chloe, um, we didn't think any more about it we had been saying and it was uh about two weeks into the war when you know if we I felt if I get the opportunity this is what we would do yeah I hadn't any anticipation that it was going to happen so fast yeah so when uh, when did you arrive in Ireland how long ago was that Tatiana uh I came here second of uh, March second of March okay so that was fairly early on in things and and what is it that made you decide I have to leave Ukraine? Um, first, uh, bombing attack was Kiev and uh, Ivano-Frankivsk town. Ivano-Frankivsk is uh, very close uh, to Lviv region, uh, to Stray, and uh, it's very we it was very um, scared mm. and. Uh, 
my best friend. Um, she lives uh, now in Manchester. Mm -hmm. And she called me and said, you must uh, leave the country. Um, Ireland, uh, no visa, and you can go there. Mm. And she bought me a ticket, and I, with three children, came here. It must have been so difficult to make that decision because you've left behind your husband and your parents and friends and other family, I'm sure. How did it feel? It was very difficult and it was like a, like a dream because I never uh, left my country. Mm. Never? Never. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all, all my life I live in Ukraine and uh, I, with, with three children, I, I don't know where I go. Yeah. Had you seen pictures of Ireland? Uh, I see, I, I know that uh, there is a uh, island, uh, but uh, I, I, that's all. <laughs> that was it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so when you arrived at the airport, I mean, I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone, you have your three children, your youngest is five, am I yeah. right? And your oldest is 16? Yeah. Okay, so you presumably have to be kind of brave for them in this situation, but how did you feel on the inside, um, I um, I even um, I stay stay brave for yeah, me for you even. yeah because uh, I uh, I know that they uh, looking f for me and uh, they uh, also afraid because uh, they don't know what what we can do here mm. and uh, I say every everything must be okay and we do all the things that we must do mm. and everything was, must be okay and yeah just keep just keep swimming and and <laughs> and pray that mm. uh, everything will be okay yeah and so how are you feeling now you've been here for some time you're still obviously away from that family that I mentioned your your husband is back there I mean how is that uh, now, now we are safe, and uh, we we feel all love and uh, kindness of Irish people. We we can believe that it can happen with us because, in a short time, we have a house. We have all support of all people from from all town. Uh, um, it, it's it's very. Um, we all. My uh, I and with my children, uh, very thankful for everybody uh, in this town. Not only in this town and um, all the Ireland, because even in this project, uh, the people who um, help us came from Dublin mm. to Tulu to Peking, and I also must say that uh, we appreciate. Uh, for all people, not only for for me and my my children, also for all people of Ukrainians, yeah, uh, who stay here and who are also in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the project then, because you mentioned packing. Um, so maybe Jackie, you could explain where the idea for this project came from. Okay, Louise. Um, so I suppose we had all the. The, the physical needs met um, and uh, as my dear friend now likes to be called in, in Ireland it's Tanya oh. and um, she thinks it's, it's much easier for the Irish to, to <laughs> call her Tanya um, but um, Tanya 
had become my friend very quickly. Um, and we just, uh, there was a kindled spirit there from the, from the first time we met. Mm. And um, she was, she was very sad. Yeah. She wanted um, to go home and she wanted to send help home. And so that's where the, the idea came to satisfy her need to be, she felt that she served no purpose here and she felt that she could offer no support to those that she loved at home. Mm. And that's why um, So Now developed. I didn't know what I was going to do to help her, but I promised her we would get something that we would be busy at and that also would send help home. It's amazing to see the bond between you. I've spent a bit of time with you earlier today and, and you know, I can see the emotion of this for you. You obviously care very deeply. I do. Um, before I met um, Tanya and Sophia and Martha and Yana, who've just enriched myself, my husband Paul's life, uh, Gary and Chloe and the wider friends of Ukraine in Tolo, um, They've brought so much joy. Mm. Um, and we we stand in awe looking at their courageousness and um, we want to do as much as we can to, to support the Ukrainian people. Um, as I said before, I met her. I, I found I was gripped by what I was watching from the moment the war broke out. Yeah. And I always felt it was such an unjust war. Yeah. Um, and like so many Irish people, felt a huge sense of helplessness. Yeah. Um, and I'm... I just... I felt I needed to do something. Yeah. Well, you have. Oh, I, I, I do the easy bit. For Tanya and the girls, she gets up every day. She smiles every day. She gets the kids to school. And then she looks for the job. Yeah. And she looks for the project and what are we doing today about So Now? Well, so yeah, let's get back to So Now mm. then. So Jackie mentioned there that you were finding it difficult to be away from Ukraine when obviously so many people are still there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that feeling? You know, um, you stay here and safe. And all the time you look at news mm. and you, you saw that uh, in, in your country... Uh, your country destroyed. Yeah. Uh, oh, so many people died. Children, women, innocent, in innocent children. It's so hard to every time look and and, and uh, you can do nothing. Yeah, you feel powerless. It's it's very hard to to, to watch this and uh, and know uh, you afraid for your family, for your husband, uh, friends, uh, the. They still there, and it's very hard because every time when when you call to to your uh, parents and you heard uh, this uh, um, siren, it's it's so hard. Uh, it's very 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 hard to 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 hear this and uh, uh, all this news. It's it's very hard. 
So then So Now was started so that you could feel a little less powerless, so that you could do something. Yeah. Um, and I think it's such a great idea. And, and I'm so delighted that we're talking about this today because I want everyone to get involved in this. And it's really easy to get involved in because what we're talking about here are packets of sunflower seeds. So from this week, you'll be able to pick them up. You make a donation of five euro and you pick yourself up a lovely packet of sunflower seeds that you can plant. I know I'll be doing it with my children. They love sunflowers. Um, and then all of that money is going to the Red Cross to support people in Ukraine or people affected by the invasion of Ukraine. And um, so it's great. But what I loved is that you got together over the weekend and you packed these seeds yourself. And um, so tell me about that day, because it was lots of, of I, I, as it says on the packets, <laughs> Ukrainian people in Ireland and friends of Ukrainian people in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, how, how did you get people together and what was that like? Louise, myself and, and, and Tanya had the idea and we knew what we wanted to do and we were we were doing it on a very small scale at our a scale at our kitchen table. Um, I had the opportunity to bring it to the attention of the Musgrave group. I pitched the idea, they liked it, they said they would distribute it, but we'd need to be prepared to have a hundred thousand packs of seeds. And can I just say, your, is your background in retail or anything like that? No, my background, I, I, I do help small businesses. Okay, so, so you had a little bit of oh, knowledge. Had, That's yeah, good. I had a little bit of knowledge. I had a little <laughs> bit of knowledge, but little. Yeah. Because until I started to do this, I knew nothing. Yeah. Um, I had to get a plant import license from the Department of Agriculture. <laughs> I thought well, myself, my husband got the seed. Um, I thought that'd be easy. But sourcing it was an absolute horrendous chore. Uh-huh. Uh, the first the first container came in. It was three on that. It didn't come. There's a scarcity in the world of sunflower right. seeds because Ukraine is the biggest producer of it. Right. And obviously you can't get it. So we eventually got it um, and it came three days before we were due to pack. Our packaging came the day before we were due to pack and our boxes came the day before we were due to pack. Um, the consignment was picked up by Musgraves this morning, but none of this would be possible without uh, the original group that backed myself and uh, Tanya called the Tullow Friends of Ukraine. And with their help, we put an SOS out out, um, up on Facebook um, and people came from Cork, from Letterkenny, from Dublin, from Kilkenny, uh, Kildare, Tipperary, strangers, mm. strangers, and and the whole community of Tullow got behind it, and then we had people from Kharkiv, from Odessa, Kharkiv, Odessa, Mariupol, yeah, uh, all the people who came from Ukraine here, and uh, what was that like to be with those people? Oh, we we can feel uh, their um, support and they help that they help can be helpful mm. for for our country and you must i mean what you're going through is so different from what most irish people would have ever experienced i mean maybe all irish people um but of course there's a level of understanding when you meet people who are going through the exact same thing it, it, was there comfort in that of course, <laughs> it's without uh, words. They yeah. understand each other and support. Yeah, I bet it was emotional. Yeah. Yeah. So how many packets of seeds did you pack? So on Saturday, with great support um, from a lot of businesses that rallied around to help 
helps fund the project as well. We packed 100,000 packs of sunflower seeds. Wow. That is That equates to over 5 million seeds. Yeah. Almost a seed for every person in, in Ireland. And when those are all sold, which I know that they will be, I know people are going to be, or sorry, they're not, it's a donation. But when people pick them up in, um, it's Super Value and Centra. And, and some other independent stores. Yeah. They'll be available to, they'll be in at every the till. Keep yeah. your eyes peeled. Yeah. Um, and when people pick them up and make their five year donation, that's half a million euro that you'll be raising for the Red Cross. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, look, it's an ambition. It's a very, Big ambition, but we're hoping that the Irish community will. So many people say that they want to do something, Louise, but yeah. they they don't know what they yeah. can do. Yeah. Um. And and some donations they're very valuable, but they're often silent, mm. and people are gr- just trying to find some way of expressing. This is a way to express solidarity. Yeah. You buy the seeds. You sow them with your family, and and in doing so, I think in sowing them with your family and your children. It's a chance to talk about what's happening in the yeah. world and yeah. explain why you're doing it. Yeah. And so them for the people that have lost their lives yeah. as a tribute to them and their bravery. And then also so them that as a, a sign to all Ukrainians, both here and across the world, that we actually want to do something that symbolizes our love and strength and solidarity for them. And then when they bloom in September... Ireland should look a little bit more familiar and a little bit more like home for so many Ukrainians that have found themselves here. Yeah. I was asking you, Tatiana, before we we started talking, I was asking you about, you know, whether or not you'd be interested in finding work here. And we were talking about the fact that your children are in school here. But of course, as much as I'm sure you love it here, <laughs> you don't want to stay here, do you? Um, I, of course, I, I won't go to home. Go yeah. home. Meeting with my my husband, my parents, my my sister. So I think every, everybody uh, who came from Ukraine, well, everybody want want go home. You know, Louise, if Irish people are wondering what that feels like, if you can remember what it was like in the darkest COVID hours when you couldn't see your mother, you couldn't see your grandmother, yeah, and hook her, yeah, that's what the Ukrainian people feel right now. Yeah, they want to hook. Yeah. They will stay up. They want to go home. Of course. And we want to fundraise so that those that are still there can be helped through the Red Cross and that the country can be rebuilt so Tanya and her children get back home. Well, I think it's an incredible initiative. I The strength that you have is... I, I mean, I, I don't have the words to express my admiration. I think it's incredible. And I think this drive to, to do something and to be involved in supporting your people is so admirable. And I know that these seeds are going to be gone in a heartbeat. I'm And I'm, I'll be so delighted when I hear and I read that they're gone. And I know that you two have the power to do so much good. And I'm so glad you found each other. Oh, uh, I'm. I thank thanks God every every day that I met uh, Jackie and all uh, all all Irish people, and I I want to say thank you for everything you do for me for me and for my children and for all my uh, Ukrainian people. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you, Louise. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now it is time to catch up on the week's news in entertainment from Heartstopper to Harry Styles. Stopping hearts. See what I did there? Uh, And uh, Leah Michelle's whole vagina. That's in quotes, by the way. Um, I hope you enjoy. I am so delighted to welcome, I was going to say, are are you the first men to be on the podcast? But you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You're the first men to be in this particular slot, though. The gays coming in for the pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's where I belong as well. I'm right there with you. Um, So I'm so delighted to be joined by Keen Sullivan and James O'Hagan. Now, some people will know you from Sissy That Pod, which Mm -hmm. is your RuPaul's Drag Race podcast, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. I've been lucky Mm -hmm. enough to be on a couple of times but you have a new podcast which is very exciting yeah we are so so excited for this one I'm gonna let Keen go in and do like the elevator pitch sure (laughs) it's called Queer Classified and basically we revisit queer culture movies TV shows music music videos from the past with a contemporary queer lens and yeah does it hold up does, is it even better than we thought that's what we yeah. do so you've been on an episode yeah, of I'm Clueless really excited, which is yeah. coming up soon yeah. I could have talked about it for oh I mean eight yeah. to nine hours and then yeah. what, uh, you, were, you were talking about Romeo and Michelle a couple, a couple of weeks yeah. later and I was like that we need to talk about that yes, yeah. we should so you we, have to put it on the list exactly so we have two episodes out now um on Queer as Folk, the yeah. UK not, version, not the US one. Yes, and then this week we'll be having an episode out about Barbara Streisand and her <sighs> album Guilty with Jennifer Gannon. Oh my God, these are amazing. I actually haven't gotten to listen to the first few episodes yet. So. I'm very excited. I might treat myself to that on the mm-hmm. way home. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got some stories to talk about from this week and we're going to start with the worst one. Um, <laughs> and that is Pierce Morgan's new show on Talk TV launched. And just for the uninitiated, what is Talk TV? Oh, like, I think it's sort of an attempt to recreate what, like, Fox is, Fox News is in the US. So it's like a conservative, it's basically a massive platform funded by billionaires where people are able to claim they're being silenced. Yes, And they're being cancelled. Yes, wonderful. (laughs) Because we saw that pattern where, like, the GB News comes out. It seems to be a pattern in the UK at the moment that maybe, like, certain areas of the right wing don't feel like they have their space in 
BBC oh, and no. ITV. No, 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 no. And they're trying to it's, carve it out it's for themselves. opportunistic. It's opportunistic and it's all about like courting controversy and trying to oh, agree. <laughs> but it's like the, the what frustrates me most about this and these kind of platforms is that they don't actually have uh, an agenda other than profiting and trying to create controversy in order to get themselves into headlines like yeah. even the way Piers Morgan cancelled last year stropped out of a room like we see this time and again men behave in this like over emotional kind of ridiculous way like Brett Kavanaugh during his Supreme Court hearings yeah. where he starts breaking his ring and they're held to a much lesser standard than women or yeah. gays might be and so he's back again in order to start spouting his racist misogynistic kind of stuff with a sort of with a, a, a right click synonym find the fancy words to say it approach to <laughs> broadcasting i think um i saw i haven't seen the actual show but i saw the opening to it hmm. and someone pointed out that it looked like satire like it did it, what did what was Armando the Iannucci's kind of uh yes. a new day kind of that sort of yeah a hundred percent but literally just sounded like he was shouting to an empty room it's like cancel culture <laughs> woke stuff like what are trans trojans what? like <laughs> come for me snowflake yeah Next up, Katie Hopkins goes through Madeleine McCann's parents' bins for some reason. Oh my god. <laughs> He's such a weird character though, because I feel like like I don't know how much of this stuff he says he actually believes. He just I don't think he does. I just no. he knows it'll be good ratings or he hopes it'll yeah. be good ratings and he knows that it'll get a response. Yeah. I'm totally convinced that his whole thing is a, like a performance. Yeah. Like I don't think he's necessarily on the left, but I think he actually is maybe even apolitical mm. and just like picks up on whatever suits him, whatever yeah. he's going to profit from, you know, wh- wh- what's going to give him the most clicks at the end of the day is what it comes down to now. And one of the first things they seem to have done is air this interview he did with Trump. And I saw a YouTube video of him talking about how he got the interview with Trump and Trump, he goes into Trump's office and Trump's reading out all these things that Piers Morgan said that were bad against him. And he's like, I'm not doing the interview. And then Piers Morgan just had to compliment him on his golf game. And he was like, oh yeah, fine, I'll do the interview. <laughs> um, so he's a, he's a smart guy. He knows how to get what he wants. Yeah. And it's just a shame he's using I, his platform I don't know. Like this. I, I don't yeah. know that you, you have to be that smart in order to know that all you need to do is compliment <laughs> Donald Trump in order to get him to be on your side. Well, yeah. But it is, it is, I think that, you know, I, I saw them talking about who, what are the like dream guests they would have. And it's like, oh, we'd love to have Will Smith on here and it's like right well they're just picking who is the controversial like figure mm. yeah, yeah exactly it's like oh we'll get Amber Heard in next week you know yeah. and it's, it's just it's not actually trying to say anything other than snowflakes be damned yeah yeah yeah. and no, even I if agree. they opened it up to people who were cancelled by the right it would be at least somewhat balanced like I don't know if you heard the news recently there was this movie that was banned in Northern Ireland called Benedetta about this oh, yeah. lesbian nun and I saw it at the Dublin Film Festival and you know there's still that censorship coming from religious extremist groups even if you know I'd maybe give a bit more respect if he tried to balance it out yeah. a bit but it's just going to be but it's that's because like yeah exactly at the end of the day it's not really about censorship because no yeah. one is none of the people yeah. who they no. claim are being censored is no. being censored no. No. they're maybe not being given the platform that they would like to be given yeah. mm-hmm. but they're still on TV in the newspaper online <laughs> yeah. like you know we, we can hear them yeah. um, okay let's move on uh, the crown Obviously, everybody loves the crown. We all love the idea of the fact that we're getting some sort of behind the scenes look mm. at the royal family. I mean, it's fiction. 
fictionalized yeah. behind the scenes. So obviously not super accurate, but I just found this story so amusing that came out during the week about the royal family interfering. Yeah, speak yes. about censorship. <laughs> so for the people, explain what's been going on. Yeah, so this uh, journalist, a full name, Christina Hambly Brown, CBE, a.k.a. Lady Evans. What a, what a title. She, a.k.a. <laughs> she has uh, released this new book called The Palace Papers and has spoken to over 120 people who are sort of close to the royal family and have access and released a number of things such as, you know, she was saying that William and Harry have actually, their relationship had diverted prior to Meghan Markle. Prince Andrew has always been a sleaze machine. And one of the things that she revealed was that the palace have often tried to influence the venues in which the crown is being filmed and try to get the production shut down. So basically there's not a lot they can do, but if the crown wants to film in in a fancy building that they have a connection to, Mm. they're like, nope. Yeah, it, like Eaton College or something. Yeah, yeah. that's so hilarious. It, like, so petty. It's it, pathetic. It really is. Also, I mean, is there a family in this world more in need of some good press at yeah. the moment? Yeah. That, like, literally be like, hey, guys, come in and film in Buckingham Palace. The Honestly. Queen will consult. Because this is, they're like, since, you know, the high point of 2011 with, with Kate and Wills getting married, yeah. they have been on this downward trajectory, making yeah. misstep after misstep after misstep. Like, guys... Everyone loves the crown. Like, yeah. just let let us in wherever we mm. want to film it. Yeah, <laughs> and I also think weirdly the crown has kind of fosters does foster some good feeling for the royal family. Yeah, yeah. like I think the queen comes off pretty well in the crown. Yeah. I think like, so. And if there's one thing I've I've learned from watching the crown is that it isn't just the royal family who call the shots. That there's this yeah. noble establishment to yeah. hold these people to account. Mm-hmm. And so I'm deciding to believe that they're the people who are trying to cancel the crown. Okay. It isn't Lizzie going like shut them down. Yeah. <laughs> well, she is. I mean, she's got a few bits going on. She yeah, really, she she's does. not in great shape at the no, moment. She's, yeah, she's got no. help her. And the family's falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know? so yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's let's take that stance. Okay, next up, this is one of my favorite stories <laughs> to ever come up um in general. Um in life. And <laughs> this is the tale of Leah Michelle, Jonathan Groff, and Leah Michelle's vagina. Although I think anatomically, what she's yeah. really talking about is her vulva. Yeah, I wrote that anyway, down here. We better I, say what it is before people are like, "What <laughs> kind of thing am I listening to?" <laughs> yeah. So on the set of a, a show she started with Jonathan Groff um, back in what, fifteen years ago, yeah. uh, Spring Awakening, they yeah. developed this intensely close relationship. Yeah, and I've and, read about this over the years that they're like super close, super mm-hmm. intense relationship. This Broadway show, mm. which I've never seen, but apparently iconic. Yeah. Yeah, and and. I suppose in this they became so comfortable with one another one another and and Jonathan obviously opened up a little bit in the same interview about the fact that he felt as if you know he wasn't perhaps able to perform his best as a heterosexual character because he was a gay man mm. and she decided just you know here have a look you know <laughs> This is how, this is her apology tour as well because she's another character that needs a bit of rehabilitation. Yeah. So perhaps this is her way of doing that. Yeah. What? And she said, "I like the phrase that she used. Her whole vagina." Yeah. That's what she said. She showed him with a desk lamp. Is that? I, I noticed the desk lamp I too. The desk lamp too. And I was like, "What is going on?" I'm just here? picturing so the lamp in Pixar. On a desk. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I'm just physically spreading. She's on the desk with the lamp pointed, I presume. And I'm just like, how close is he? Is he? 
you know, close enough to take in the full senses. Yeah. Like, like I just kind of assumed it was a really quick thing and that he was a bit sort of taken aback. But maybe it was like a five minute affair. I sort know, of like, her whole vagina <laughs> feels like. Well, yeah. again, it must be the full vulva because she'll, vulva, he, he yeah, needs exactly. to be a gynecologist to see. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> but like, I, I do, I kind of, I'm interested in this idea. I have, have you guys had up close and personal encounters with vulvas or vaginas? No. No, I haven't. So I relate. I related to that (laughs) (laughs) only from like a scientific point of view, which I think is where he was coming from. I I do think one thing that's very positive about it is that there there has been sort of you know a comic currency developed within the 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 gay male community about kind of just like oh the idea of seeing a vagina disgusting gross and this is nice to see a gay man interested and wanting to celebrate a beautiful part of his female friend. I agree because I have to say. You know me, I love the gays, <laughs> but I really do struggle with that particular aspect of, mm. of gay culture. Yeah. I think it's it's lessening now, but certainly when I was in my 20s, like my best friends were gay men and um, there was just a, a, a general misogyny. I mean, it yeah. is like about, ooh, like disgusting, like women are disgusting, like, but then also somehow an obsession with breasts, which makes no sense. <laughs> but like, there was a thing about vaginas being gross and and, 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 and that's a thing that exists beyond gay culture as yeah. well, you mm. know? So I, I think it would be great if we could see a real movement away from that. Yeah, because there's, vaginas are stunning. Yeah. They yeah. smell delightful. <laughs> Like there's absolutely nothing vulvas sorry I'm back to using the wrong words but like there's no need for this smear campaign yeah, part no. of the plot <laughs> I more just smear think... tests less smear campaigns yes exactly I just thought this was a really sweet story because it goes to show the level of trust they had together yeah. and you know the way it's kind of written makes it sound like you know it was the first day like I imagine this happened over a period of yeah. time and you know it seems that in this Spring Awakenings it's about like two teens in Germany learning about sex and sexuality yeah. and it kind of opens up with a like a semi-naked sex scene so I imagine they had to be really close and personal yeah. and yeah. it was kind of feeding at his imposter syndrome that he didn't know what he was doing yeah. or people would think because he was closeted that he was gay because he wasn't doing it properly so I thought it was very nice like I've yeah. heard some bad things about her so this sounds like a nice comforting thing yeah, yeah and she does. must have felt so safe with him yeah like you know it would take a I'm not saying I wouldn't but if you guys asked me to show you my vulva it would take a lot you know yeah. I'd really have to think about it think about it maybe do some personal work on myself when, <laughs> when you start when to... you start a Patreon I mean people would sign up for that but I think the fact that she was up for this and you're yeah. right in the context of that show it makes sense mm. and it, you know it says a lot about him as well as about her I think and the fact that they're still apparently like best friends mm-hmm. yeah like that Pretty also sweet. says a lot about her I think mm. Okay, now... On that topic, though, when I was doing research for this, I realized in 2004, she was in a Broadway music show of the Anne Frank Diary, and she played Anne Frank. Can you imagine that? Lee Michelle as Anne Frank. I absolutely can. (laughs) I mean, she's the star of whatever show she's in. (laughs) I just think, I don't know, she doesn't strike me as being serious enough. Um, Oh, I think she takes herself far too seriously. I'm not saying she would be good. (laughs) But I can see it. You know? That's what, yeah. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk about Heartstopper this week because it's been all, this is the new Netflix show. Mm. It's been all over all of oh. my social medias. I've only watched one episode, I seen but yet. I thought it was really sweet. Oh my God. I, I watched okay, the first take episode. Take it away, James. I, I, I'm in love. It's like, 
I, 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 the best thing it's, it's like being inside a Bell and Sebastian song like Aww. it is just it is a beautiful world created it is a sort of representation that, that young queer men and young trans people need to sort of see themselves reflected on screen in a, in a way that is safe and protected it yeah. is just beautiful I haven't watched it all yet I'm sort of I'm assuming that there'll be ups and downs and I'll get angry at some of the characters I love and then I'll fall back in love with them for the season finale mm. of course you know but I, I, I absolutely love it it's based on a graphic novel and you can see that influence running through it there's animation and it's really you, the I suppose the, the visuals are such a part of the story and sort of help you understand what's happening and it, so much of it feels like it's being created in the heads of the people who are of the people who are, are, are kind of the, the characters you're so much aware of how they're feeling yeah. but it, it, it's it's beautiful it's like it's a, it's a teenage love story it's a teenage yeah. a, a, a gay teenage gay love teenage story. love story yeah yeah. it's been interesting I've been watching um, people respond to Heartstopper online and I've seen lots of gay men saying you know this is what they wish they could have had yeah. as teenagers the same kind of awkward you know love is probably maybe too big a word yeah. but the same kind of awkward <laughs> scenarios yeah. with you know people they fancied that that you know it's perceived that straight people have had um, I, and I wondered what your kind of take on that was based on your own experience is that something that you feel like you missed out on uh, so in which way say do you think you missed out on like you know because of maybe the culture that we grew up in yeah you know that that, i missed that, that teen that, affection. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean to a certain degree like i definitely think because you know james and i both went to the same school different times di- at different yeah. times different generations um, but it's like uh, <laughs> you like i definitely feel like you're kind of trapped in this sort of box of all these people you're attracted to who you know aren't ever going to feel feel it back to you you don't get to progress along the usual mm-hmm. steps yeah. until you kind of come out and have to kind of do it all over again and yeah. find yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. Because it, 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 it feels like the, this shows a world where gay people are able to just be part of what mm. is the everyday experience or what yeah. we understand the everyday experience of straight people to be. Because I know not everyone has the same one. Yeah. Because it, for certain, certainly for myself and my journey of coming out, like it was, you kind of just had to lock the door on any idea that there would be romance or that there would be flirtations or that mm. there would be crushes. Because it was just like you, you, uh, you felt it if you were the only gay in the entire world. Yeah. Um, and I do think seeing this kind of stuff, or seeing, say, Love Simon a couple of years ago, yeah. will have really shown younger queer guys that you know there's a space for them, there's a place for them. And and do you think it's different now? I hope so. I think it is based yeah. on based on the, the sort of the, the amount of say young people you see coming to Pride, young people, yeah. the, the amount of kind of positive stuff happening in schools. You can only imagine that like there is a real, a much more of a tolerance. Obviously. A lot of intolerance still exists. Yeah, but, yeah. a know, lot done a lot more to do. Yeah. And like, I didn't even imagine, like when I was younger, that I couldn't, I didn't even imagine what a same-sex marriage would look like until I saw Mitch and Cam in Modern Family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh God, this is actually possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how important shows like this it's are. It's possible and it can be a completely like standard kind of yeah. TV yeah. marriage with yeah. a daughter and yeah. you know it doesn't have to be all like nightclubs and leather exactly, exactly. although obviously if that's what you're into 100% I mean, get it girl when the daughter's like, in bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay there's one more thing uh, that we're going to talk about this week and Kian you suggested this and I actually am so glad you did because I love to talk about Harry Styles of course <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah Harry Styles has uh, you know he's promoting a new album Harry's House which is coming out soon on a tour 
And he was having an interview with Better Homes and Garden, which doesn't it's strike me as the, pu- right? so the publication yeah, that would strike him. I kind of loved it, though. Like, yeah. He could do an interview anywhere. Yeah. And for some reason, he chose Better Homes and Gardens. Yeah. So they basically asked him about his sexuality, which is a sort of running theme with him. And his response was, the whole point of where we are heading, which is towards accepting everybody and being more open, is that it doesn't matter. Am I sprinkling nuggets of sexual ambiguity to try to be more interested? No. And I find this conflicting because although I do believe we sh- we are going towards a place where we should be able to drop labels, the way he is like benefiting in the pop world from this hyper sort of femme man persona, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if he is straight, 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 then it's somewhat queer baiting. So I'm like torn between this place where I, sh- if he is queer, I don't want to ha- force him out. But if he isn't queer, then I'm, I feel conflicted. And it's just, I, I'm not really sure where to land with this. I, I'm equally conflicted because when you look at, say, the likes of Lil Nas X, who wears his sexuality and his femininity mm. very much on his sleeves, and he then comes in for an enormous amount of back, like enormous amount of, of, of sort of um, scrutiny, yeah. scrutiny for that. No, obviously his race plays a huge part into that yeah. as well. But I think And also that, the genre of music. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think that, you know, Harry Styles kind of, he's part of that grand tradition of glam rockers who kind of lean into this androgyny to make themselves interesting. You know, is he backing it up in the same way that David Bowie is? We'll see, mm. but but I I don't know because I suppose in another way he even if even if the only role model he's setting is for straight men that it's okay for them to wear sequins and, yeah. and feathers and to indulge their femininity then that's a positive. As but well. if he came out as straight, then at least we'd know that's the role model he's taking. Yeah. Are straight men seeing him as straight or are they seeing him as queer? Because I whereas I don't know where queer people view him as, so it's kind of confusing. That's interesting, and I also wonder if if he came out as bisexual or pansexual or some mm. sort of some you know element of queerness would that impact all of the straight young women who adore him yeah you know because there's so much biphobia or queerphobia whatever you want to call it that like you know it it feels like no matter what he does he's gonna lose a little bit so i guess that's so that that would Mm. lend itself to your kind of yeah position that it is queer yeah and that's it seems like it's a perfectly threaded line of like being able to get the benefits of being different without having to face the consequences i guess literally everyone fancying you absolutely everyone yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i just think i think there's a kind of a trend towards like white pop boys at the moment like jack harlow really benefited out of being in that video with little nan as X, mm-hmm. um, the industry baby, and I think Charlie Puth is doing a lot of sort of boxer pics on his Instagram at the moment. I just wonder, is there this trend towards being queer adjacent and benefiting from it without actually sort of being experiencing the downfall of actually being queer or being upfront with it? Yeah, state your case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair as well, Harry Styles' biggest hit to date was about engaging with a whole vagina. <laughs> that's true that is true I was looking at like uh, paparazzi photos of him with Olivia Wilde and Kai Gerber and stuff and in those photos he's very just jeans and a t-shirt like he's very mask bro so it does seem like 
this a performance is a performance yeah. yeah oh it's so interesting but also I don't want to think about any of it because I just want him to be my perfect <laughs> Harry <laughs> guys thank you so much where can people find I presume people can find Queer Classified and obviously Sissy That Pod on all the usual platforms exactly absolutely yes, anywhere you might want to listen and then, to yeah, it and then yeah on Instagram we're Sissy That Pod and then we have a new sort of Sissy Productions page yeah. for the new pod and other ventures down the line very exciting well I hope this is not the last time you come and chat I with hope me. So too. Yeah. Keen and James, thank you so much. No problem, thank you. It is just about time for me to say goodbye. But before I do, I want to tell you about something special that's happening this week. And that is I am releasing a second bonus episode. Um, so this is something that I'd like to do from time to time because occasionally I come across stories which I think are really valuable and really should be shared, but don't really fit into the format of the usual catch-up episode. Um, you know, maybe they require a little bit longer um, or just a little bit of a different kind of tone to the chat. And I think I'm going to be calling these little bonus episodes Sit Down with Louise McSherry. Cassie Delaney came up with that one, inspired in my opinion. Um, and I'm going to be doing the first of these episodes on Monday. So it's the story of Amy and Katie, who are two sisters who went on an incredible surrogacy journey together after Amy had a hysterectomy at 25. It is such a journey. I mean, as I said, it's a long one, but there is so much to their story that I just didn't feel like I could cut it down at all. Um, you know, from Amy experiencing cancer at 25 to the emotions around going through surrogacy with your sister and also all of the logistics that they had to deal with and just the reality and challenges that are facing Irish families in relation to surrogacy and why they feel so passionate that the laws need to change. And um, if you want any kind of insight into that or just to hear an incredible story of sisterhood, I think this one is for you. As I said, that'll be out on Sunday, but I'll be back with the usual episode next Friday. Um, in the meantime, if you feel compelled to rate, review, follow, subscribe, all that crack that is always gratefully received I hope you have a wonderful week and if not hopefully I'll be back with an episode to cheer you up on Friday have a great one Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.